0: Welcome. Good to see everybody here this morning with the sun shining. This is the last week of our series, How to Obtain Wisdom. We've been working on it for 10 weeks and uh, going through the book of Proverbs and answering that specific question. But before we can answer the question, we need to know what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing the, how things really happen, knowing how things really are, and knowing what to do about it. It's like making the right decisions. And one um, example that we said is wisdom is knowing what the right thing to say and do when the moral rules don't apply. God's given us a lot of direction in His Word, but there's many times that those rules don't necessarily apply. Well, a wise person fills in the gaps. I'll make the right decision even though that I don't know exactly what the decision is and the Bible's not giving me extreme direction. Still making the right decision is what uh, what you call wisdom. And God leaves a lot of these decisions in life under the topic of wisdom, so how do you obtain it? Uh, just going back through the weeks, read the word, fear God. Would be another way to obtain wisdom, as it is the foundation of wisdom. Get in touch with reality. Respond to God's reproof. Ask for it. Trust God. Prioritize your loves. Be faithful in your walk and live by the eight golden rules of thinking. What's the eight golden rules of thinking? You have to listen to last week's sermon. It's on the web page if you guys want to find it. But there's eight golden rules in chapter 8 of Proverbs of thinking that if you're going to attain wisdom, this is how to do it. So we're getting close to, in fact, we're getting close to the end. We are at the end um, of our series, so we're just going to go right to the end of the book. Proverbs chapter 30 is going to be our passage this morning that we are going to look at. And what you're going to see is this thing is going to sum up the entire book in its context. And what it is doing, it's going to do, it's working towards the most ultimate um, the most ultimate tool on how to obtain wisdom. So you guys are lucky you're here this week because this is the ultimate tool on how to obtain wisdom. And right at the end of the book, we're getting the summary of how to obtain it. Now, when we read this, you're going to say, what does this mean? What does it look like? I mean, we'll read it and then we'll discuss it for 45 minutes, not 30 minutes to figure out what it says. Proverbs 31, let's read the passage. The saying of Agur, the son of Jecaiah, an oracle, This man declared to Ithiel, and to Ithiel, you cow, I am the most ignorant of all men. I do not have a man's understanding. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has gone up from heaven and come down? Who has gathered up the wind in the hollow of his hands? Who has wrapped up the waters in his cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and the name of his son? Do you know? Now through this series, the very number, first note has always been this is how to obtain wisdom. I just want you to know that that's on point number four. How do you obtain wisdom is point number four. Of course, you don't know it, but we've got to work our way up to point number four. And the first question we need to ask before we get to point number four is point number one, is wisdom a what or a who or an object or a person or an attribute of God or a third part of the Trinity? all the way through the book of Proverbs, it speaks very interesting. It uses pronouns whenever it talks about wisdom. It uses pronouns in third person, but also pronouns in first person. Let's look at these pronouns as it talks about wisdom. Proverbs one twenty: wisdom calls aloud. Uh, it sounds like that's a person. Well, it sounds like it's a person, but continue the verse, and you'll see that it is a person. She raises her voice. This is not the only passage. Continue to Proverbs one twenty one, She cries out. She makes her speech. She is more profitable than silver. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire compares with her. Using her pronoun as if she's female, according to this passage. She is a tree of life, and those who embrace her, those who lay hold of her, will be blessed. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love Her, and she will watch over you. Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She is a garland, uh, she will set a garland of grace around your head. Wisdom has built her house, she has hewn out the seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine, she has also set her table. What's going on as you read these passages? And these are not all the passages that are referring to wisdom as a her all the way through the book. Wisdom is a her. But what has taken place? Wisdom speaks like a person. has emotions like a person. In these verses, the wisdom communicates like a person. There's an attraction to her like a person. She is strong like a person. You can lay hold of her like you can lay hold of a person. She will protect you. Wisdom will protect you like a person. Wisdom will love you like a person. Wisdom will watch you like a person. You can forsake her. You can neglect her. You can step away from her. She serves you like a person. Wisdom serves you like a person. She can esteem, you can esteem her. You can honor her. Um, you can also crown her, and she can even crown you, and she can even bless you, but it's these pronouns. They're all referring to what? Referring to person. Then wisdom gets a little crazy in Proverbs chapter eight. Instead of using a third party pronoun, uses wisdom uses a first party pronoun. I wisdom dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and I and discretion. I hate pride and I hate arrogance. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. I love those who love me. It's almost like you get a relationship with wisdom. I love those who love me, and those who seek me, find me. I walk in the way of righteousness righteousness, along the paths of justice. What is going on with wisdom being a person? Many scholars have looked into this, and of course they're going to come up with different answers or come up with answers as they study the Scriptures. Some of the answers that scholars are coming up with, it says, well, it's Hebrew poetry. If you ever look at the genre of Proverbs, what is it? It's It's poetry. And the way that you do Hebrew poetry is you bring Scripture or bring writing to lives by using a something and making it a someone. So is it Hebrew poetry? Maybe. could also be figures of speech. Uh, it could also be an intangible quality. Um, again, it could also be a grammatical, um, grammatical gender. Uh, what that means is if you look at the Hebrew language and the Spanish language and the French language, they use grammatical gender to describe something, to present something. Uh, it could be wisdom is a substance, and they're using it as a figure of speech to give, this is the substance of what, what wisdom is. The problem is that uh, Scripture continues to even get more radical about this, wisdom being a something or being a someone, Proverbs 8 does something, eight twenty two through 36, uh, brings to light of this something or this someone and explains the place, the time, the location, and where and how it existed. Let's read Proverbs 8. I, referring to wisdom, was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. When there was no ocean, I was given birth. When there was no springs abounding in water, Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth, before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon of the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so that the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I... I was a craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my son, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instructions and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at the doors, waiting at my doorway, for whoever finds me finds life. It's kind of a radical statement, isn't it? If it's a person, it's definitely a radical statement. Whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. Is wisdom a person? What is taking place in the book of Proverbs? This is what I believe the answer is. God does not bring you his wise mind in the form of an abstract proposition. God brings you his wise mind in the form of a person. God brings you his wise mind in the form of a person, a person who speaks, a person who loves, a person who blesses, a person who cares, a person who holds, a person who responds to you. Let's go back to this passage that we read earlier that was kind of confusing, this passage in Proverbs chapter 30, and let's read it again and look and see what's going on. The sayings of Agur, the son of Jekaiah, an oracle, this man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and to Ucal. (laughs) Who in the world are those guys? (laughs) Scholars are wondering who they are as well, because there's no information on who Agur is. There's no historical statement on who Agur is. But he wrote a chapter in the book of Proverbs. He wrote chapter number 30. And you know what? We know nothing about him except that he read the book of, Sol- of Proverbs. He understand Solomon's writings because he compiled the book. In fact, there is even scholars that says he might be the one that compiled the proverbs together from Solomon. Now, is that the right answer or not? We don't exactly know, but there's a possibility. In fact, his name means collector. That's what his name means. Maybe he's the one that took all of Solomon's proverbs and compiled them together. We know nothing about Agur, but one thing we do know is that he looked at the book. And when he looked at the book of Proverbs, he responded to the book of Proverbs. And this is how he responded to the book of Proverbs. First statement, I am the most ignorant man. First statement, as he responded to the book. I do not have a man's understanding. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I have knowledge of this Holy One. There is something that is beyond my mind that is working. There is something that is beyond my understanding that goes even behind the scenes that is located to possibly a creator. I don't even understand wisdom. And as I read this book, I see something powerful happening. And then what takes place is he continues to talk. Who has gone up to heaven and come down? Does that look familiar? <laughs> he's starting to ask questions. You talk about a who, you talk about she, you talk about it, you talk about where. Who is this person that's gone to heaven and come down? Who has gathered up the winds in the hollow of his hands? Who has wrapped up the waters in his cloak? He's quoting a Proverbs now, Proverbs chapter 8 to be exact, because he's wondering who is this person? Because this person is carrying something with power. Who has established the ends of the earth? What is his name? And then he says, and what is the name of his son? Tell me if you know. <laughs> Where did he get that? All the way through. Proverbs has always been a, a she. And then all of a sudden he's closing off the book of Proverbs. Who is his name? And who is the name of his son? Tell me if you know. Well, I know the name of his son. Because I live in 2019. And this son came two thousand years ago, and his name was Jesus Christ, but this was 3,000 years, or 1,000 years before Christ even came. But as Agur was looking at this book, something that was going on in his mind, something strong, something thick, something powerful, and something that has an explanation. Well, here we are in this world, we have that explanation. Number two, Jesus is in the position to be the personification of wisdom. When Jesus came to earth, he talked like no other. He talked with power. He talked with authority. And I will tell you that the Pharisees hated him. But in the process of the Pharisees hating him, they couldn't argue with him very well because he was so wise and he carried so much authority. But there's one in particular Pharisee named Nicodemus that started questioning his power and wondering if he was the Messiah. So Nicodemus snuck out at night. This is found in John chapter 3. Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, said, okay, Jesus, I want to see how powerful you are. I want to see if you're the Messiah. I want to see if you are the ultimate that the Old Testament is even talking about because these Pharisees knew the Old Testament. And in chapter 3, as Nicodemus was asking these questions, Jesus made this statement. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. And then where does he appoint? Which is the Son of Man. Doesn't that sound a little familiar? I was there when He set the mountains in place, when He marked out the horizon, the face of the deep. Nobody who has, nobody who has come from heaven, except the one who has come down from heaven. Jesus is speaking with authority that is extreme, but Jesus is also being called an authority that is extreme. Look at John one. Here is an author that takes place. In the beginning was the Word. This is a comment that we often read. We memorize it and in the wana classes, and we just go over it r- rather quickly. Um, but back in the day of Jesus, they didn't go over this verse very quickly. In fact, this verse shocked a nation. The reason why is because in the beginning was the word, the Greek word for word is logos. And it's where we get our word, American word, our English word, logic. And when they started using in the beginning was logic, well, what does logic mean? If we just take logic from our dictionary now, logic is the science or art of the exact reasoning, or of pure and formal thought, or the laws according to which the process of pure thinking should be conducted. Pure, whole thinking, making the right decision in every circumstance and situation that takes place. So just to phrase that, logic is wisdom on steroids, if you want to know the definition. Let's read this verse. In the beginning was logic on steroids, And the logic on steroids was God. That's easy to say. It's good. And the logic on steroids was God, or was with God. He, logic on steroids, was in the beginning with God. All those are accepted because we can easily say that, you know, God, the creator of the the world, that speaks things into being. Yeah, we can call him logic on steroids, but moves down to another passage that kind of shocks the system. The logic on steroids became flesh. The logic on steroids became man, and what did he do? He made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only who came from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. This is not only the passage that is explaining that Jesus is in the position to be the personification. Colossians 2, 2 says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. And look at the last comment, in whom are hidden all, all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hidden to that man. 1 Corinthians 24, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Jesus does hold the position there's something else that Jesus does when he walks on this earth. Number three, Jesus speaks as if he is the personification of wisdom. In other words, Jesus takes the names and the words of woman wisdom and make them his own and he carries the authority. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 32. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever, whoever does what? Whoever listens to me talking about wisdom. Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. That's an extreme statement of authority. Listen to me and you'll be living without fear, safety, and without harm. Here's how Jesus talks in Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone, and then takes the words of woman wisdom, everyone who hears these words of who? These words of mine and puts them into practice. All of a sudden he's just going to give a fast summary of the book of Proverbs, really, really fast of what Proverbs is all about. If you hear my words and you put them in practice, he is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The rain comes down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on a sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Why were they amazed? Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. He was not saying, Look at the book of Proverbs. Study the book of Proverbs. He said, what I'm speaking is the book of Proverbs. I am the logic of God. Matthew 12 even makes a bigger statement. Matthew 12:42. The queen of the south, the queen of the south is Sheba, Queen Sheba, will rise at the judgment with generations and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Who? to listen to Solomon's wisdom. But then this thing is, this statement is made, and now one who is greater than Solomon is here. What is that verse talking about? The verse is talking about Queen Eshiba is smart. She knew wisdom existed on the earth, so what did she do? She gravitated towards wisdom, which is Solomon, gravitated towards Solomon and gleaned wisdom from him. According to this passage, it's saying she's going to judge you one day, say you crazy people. Why aren't you gleaning wisdom from ultimate sources? Then Jesus makes a statement, well, that wisdom that she gleaned from Solomon, ah, there's something even stronger. There's something better. There's something more powerful. There's even something more that carries a weight that is stronger. And what does he say? He says, someone greater than Solomon is here. Who's he referring to? He's referring to himself. Jesus is referring to himself. So, number four, we're going to ask this question and make the statement, how do you obtain wisdom? I will tell you that if you miss this mark, wisdom is not yours. But if you feed on this mark, wisdom will be coming your direction. To obtain wisdom, wisdom is obtained by knowing, living for, learning from, and being with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus took the book of Proverbs and said, it is my book. What? What? Agar is asking the question, who is this God? Who is his son? We have all these Old Testament scholars that are reading back in Jesus' day who are the Pharisees. And when he's asking the question, he is making the statement, I am the son that is referred to in Proverbs chapter 30, and all logic is mine. Now we can look at it today and we say, well, how do you get wisdom? How do you get wisdom? And if you look at the world that denies Jesus, there's a lot of um, logical explanations on how to get it. One was you need to get an education, get experience, be a self-learner, seek counsel, observe. Now, these are all good things. They are found in Proverbs. But what's interesting about it is that wisdom is personified. The reason why wisdom is personified is because you can't have it until you have the source, meaning that you cannot live a wise life until you have life, and life is only found in Christ, which is your specific source you can't have wisdom without god you can't have wisdom without christ and he is the source of it what's interesting is that your relationship with god will determine what you know about this world and everything you know in it now what we do in this world is if you look at uh Uh, The beginning, the beginning has kind of been thwarted in the sense that, oh, God did create it. The evolutionary process is what's taking place. Well, if an evolutionary process took place, this is the axis of your thinking, the evolutionary process. And your whole view of the entire world is connected to your evolutionary process. And if you can't answer the question, you just don't think about it, keep on moving on. And what comes up from the evolutionary process is no purpose, there's no mission, there's no mind, There's no love there's no understanding and they all admit that they can say we've scientifically figured it out but the reason why wisdom is personified is because all wisdom is going to go to this one beautiful direction this one beautiful package and that beautiful direction and that beautiful package is a man that carries it all and if you have a relationship with him you will grow in understanding, because the every way you view life is through who you view the creator of the world. Acts four thirteen says, now as they, this is talking about the disciples, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, you could say unwise, and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them having been with Jesus. What took place? They look at these disciples. See, these disciples are nobody. They're dirty, rotten old fishermen. They're not educated. They're not trained. But yet, they are what? They are changing the world because they know the purpose, the vision, the mission, and the statue of the world. They know where it's going. Why? According to this passage, because they've been hanging out with Jesus. And people started to recognize this. And as they're hanging out with Jesus, what's taking place? Wisdom is automatically flowing from their mind, actions, thought patterns, and vision because they're holding on to that access, the access of Jesus. Wisdom is not a set of rules to master, a book of knowledge to study, not even a body of principles to memorize. Wisdom comes from what? From knowing Jesus. It's personified because he wants you to have a relationship with him, and as a result, it's going to come out of you. Number five, wisdom. Just to sum it up, is a person that you can know, and if you fall in love with him, he can make you wise. Wisdom is a person that you can know, and if you fall in love with him, he can make you wise. A couple things that I really want from my daughters, I don't say it on a consistent basis, but I pray it all the time, my wife and I pray it all the time, is God, please help them to find good friends, healthy friends, Friends that are going the right direction. And why do we pray that? We know that friends have an extreme, this is scientific, friends have an extreme influence on how we act, behave, and how we choose things. Friends carry that influence. So understanding science, we're like, God, please help them to find good friends because we want our daughters to make wise decisions because those friends will influence those decisions. We also pray, God, help them to find a good mate. Because as soon as they find the mate they're committing to the rest of their life with, that mate is going to change you. That mate is going to either grow you, destroy you, pull you down, pull you up. That mate is going to have a major, major influence on you. What kind of influence? Again, we'll give it to you scientifically. If somebody came to me and says, Mike, you know, you're not very wise, you're not very smart. In fact, you're just kind of stupid. If the whole world said that, let's just say the whole world said that, but my wife did not, you know what? I can raise my chin. Why? Because she has the power to give me a piece of my identity, to give me an understanding that is going to be okay. In other words, if she's okay with me, I'm okay even if the whole world's not okay with me. Same way as if the whole world thought my wife wasn't beautiful, but I looked at her and she knew for a fact that I think she was just absolutely gorgeous. You know what? She could be okay with that. Why? Because God has given me the power. We're the ones that spend time together. We're the one flesh. She wants to know what I think. I carry that power as her husband to say, you are absolutely beautiful. And what does it do? It gives her the answer of what she is. It is science. It is the power of relationship. It is the power of connection. It is the power of our community. It's a power of people around us. And of course, what is taking place all the way through Proverbs? Watch your friends, watch your enemies, watch your counsel. Watch out who you hang out with. Agur made the statement, "Who is this man?" And then Jesus makes a statement, "Hang out with me." We can ask a question: If people influence you when you hang out with them, do you hang out with Jesus? Is He bringing an extreme amount of influence on you? If you're not hanging out with Him. The ultimate wisdom on steroids is not coming your direction. If you are, in the amount of time that you are, wisdom on steroids is then coming your direction. First Corinthians one. It is because of him that you are in Christ, who has become for us what? The wisdom of God. Number six, in closing, wisdom is caught more than taught, and it is caught by spending time with Jesus. The reason why the world, and you can ask the world because there's a, a lot of explanations and trying to understand this concept of wisdom, but the reason why this world has not wrapped their fingers on how to obtain it and why the world cannot preach a 10-week sermon on how to obtain it is because they've lost the missing piece, and the missing piece is relationship with wisdom itself. The missing piece is relationship with the God that created everything. The missing piece is a relationship with God. And when that relationship takes place, do you know what happens? Wisdom is not coming in a form of an education. It's not even coming in a form of a book. It's coming in a form of all of a sudden I'm just catching it as I'm spending time with him. That's what Jesus did to the book of Proverbs. It was all written, he, her, she, I. It's all written in the pronouns of what? A human. But then all of a sudden, he takes it as his own and says, it's all wrapped up onto me. If you want it, come to me. Ask for me. Love me. Know me. Spend time with me. And in that process of doing it, wisdom is going to come your way. So we're going to ask the questions, and this would be the challenge of the entire series is, How much time do you spend specifically with God? The time that you spend specifically with God will make you make wise choices. Why? Because wisdom is gleaning your direction. Wisdom is pouring your direction when you pray, when you read, when you love, and when you think of him. God, we just thank you so much for um, being the ultimate piece of wisdom. God, we can understand you We can understand the cross. We can understand the resurrection. Uh, We understand the pain. We understand the hurt. We see our sin that's placed on your shoulder. And God, it displays a, a massive amount of love that we can embrace. We can understand your resurrection knowing that you are alive and that you are not dead. We thank you, God, that we can understand that. And God, I just pray that it will be the one thing that we embrace right now and for the rest of our life, knowing, God, that as we hold on to that message and as we hold on to you, wisdom, God, will be given to us. God, we want to think like you think. Spending time with you, God, will make that happen. Help us to all spend time with you. In Christ's name, amen.